I've noticed recently as I start getting out that having a mask on sometimes makes me feel like my eyes are covered too. Have you noticed that where you're kind of like looking down because you feel like people can't see you? And I've had to remind myself that this is what I have to connect with people now in a way that I never have had to before. And so I've had to make myself so many times look up and intentionally, yes, well, look somebody in the eye to say that I see them. And so while Barbary plays a little bit of music, I just invite, hi Addie, see you. Um, I invite you all to kind of stand up and find a few eyes to look into um, and to risk a little bit of awkwardness, um, but just to see each other and in seeing each other, maybe a hand on the heart to offer peace to one another. The peace of Christ be with you. Let us offer peace to each other. And now, finally, God answered Job from the eye of a violent storm. He said, why do you confuse the issue? Why do you talk without knowing what you're talking about? Pull yourself together, Job. Up on your feet. Stand tall. I have some questions for you, and I want some straight answers. Where were you when I created the earth? Tell me, since you know so much. Who decided on its size? Certainly you'll know that. Who came up with the blueprints and the measurements, how its foundation was poured, and who set the cornerstone, while the morning stars sang in chorus and all the angels shouted praise? And who took charge of the ocean when it gushed forth like a baby from the womb? That was me. I wrapped it in soft clouds and tucked it safely at night. And then I made a playpen for it, a strong playpen so it couldn't run loose, and said, stay here, this is your place. Your wild tantrums are confined to this place. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. You know how uh, sometimes people say, when I get to heaven, this is the first question I'm going to ask God, <laughs> which I always think is kind of a funny thing to say, but I'm curious what some of your questions are. Um, I have a question about mosquitoes. <laughs> um, <laughs> curious what some of your questions are. Feel free to call them out. Why do you allow suffering? That's the big one. What's that, Judy? 
Suffering forces you to learn, but there's also suffering that's just suffering. <laughs> Any other questions? How yeah, Margaret. Oh, what was that, Malcolm? How many notes have I sung in my entire life? <laughs> How many notes have I sung in my entire life? More than me. Is there life beyond? <laughs> Am I really here? <laughs> Are you there, God? <laughs> Why do bad things happen to good people? Why did I get the room next to the ice machine? <laughs> or the elevator? <laughs> Any other questions? Lots of questions, I'm sure, that all of us hold and that come up um, in a variety of ways in our lives and over the course of our lives. We want answers to our questions. And answers are important. Answers are what got us a vaccine this year. Answers are what help us move forward and in so many ways get the right grade on the test, help science and research, help us understand our world. But answers can also be dangerous because we can get stuck on looking for an answer sometimes where there is no answer. And sometimes when we want an explanation from God, God instead gives us an experience. Answers come and go, but they can only go so far. But God is always offering us mystery. A mystery that can be found from before the beginning of time, a mystery that can be found in this moment, a mystery that comes after all of our answers have run out. And the text today is from this amazing book in the middle of the Hebrew scriptures called Job. The story of a man who had everything. He had lots of children. He had lots of wealth. He had property. He was happily married. He was well known and respected. His health was good and everything fell apart. His children suffered in a, in a terrible accident and they all died. He lost all of his crops. He was covered, his body was covered in boils and he is sitting in the ashes, scraping his sores. And all of a sudden, well, he invites his three of his friends to come and they come and they sit with him and they try to problem solve with him and find out why this has happened to him. His wife, just gives them a short answer. She says, just curse God and die. <laughs> he has another friend that comes that's not even invited, and he starts pontificating on why this has happened. And certainly, God has, you've done something to make God angry, or there's got to be some reason why all of this has come to you. It seems like Job and his friends are really viewing life as a courtroom. And it's if they're living on trial and God is handing out judgments, you know, wealth for you, poverty, poverty for her, tragedy for him, a happy ending for this person over here. God is just kind of giving out the judgments as if God is the judge and they're trying to figure out what is the logic, what is the court case, and how do we mount our defense to God to prove that, that we get what we think we deserve. Circles of arguments 
just keep going around and around for 38 chapters of this book. And finally, in chapter 38 and through 40, we had Theo just read a bit of it, God breaks God's silence. This passage is kind of intense. God seems honestly a little mean. He says, pull yourself together, Job, up on your feet, stand tall. I have some questions for you, and I want some straight answers. Where were you when I created the earth? Tell me since you know so much. Who decided on its size? Certainly, you'll know that. God is like Jack Nicholson's character in A Few Good Men. It's like you can't handle the truth, right? God doesn't give Job an answer. God gives Job a mystery. Theo read us a bit of that unfolding litany of God's, kind of like God's autobiographical creation story. He des God describes himself as a craftsman who's creating the earth, the oceans. God is like a mother birthing the oceans, tucking the oceans into bed with soft clouds. I love that one. The snow and the hail are kept later in stockpiles. The animals are midwifed through their births. The ostrich is blundering parenting because the ostrich is just known to leave their eggs wherever. God takes care of those eggs and holds the ostriches questionable parenting with grace and humor, which some of us might find comforting on this Father's Day. God is teaching the hawks and the eagles to fly. All of this God claims to know and to do. All of these acts are so naturally miraculous. I thought it was interesting as I reread these passages that God isn't, isn't talking about supernatural events or exceptional acts. It's not the miraculous healing or the unexplainable phenomenon. It's the things that we see every day. Birds learning to fly, ocean waves crashing. The mystery of God is hidden in our natural world, in our everyday experience. And we all can appreciate that, but God's answer still feels a little frustrating. Job would like the formula, like, just, just tell me what I did wrong, and I'll make it right, so I can recover some of what I've lost. But maybe, maybe mystery is just what God needed, or what Job needed. And maybe it's what we need, too. In the book, An Other Kingdom, the writers say, Mystery is not a problem to be solved. Mystery is an opening to the unknown. Mystery is essential to aliveness. Mystery is essential to aliveness. Answers can only get us so far. Every situation has an invitation to wonder. A friend of mine this week, as we were meeting in a, a group gathering, said she asks herself all the time, what else is true? What else is true? 
And when we find ourselves spinning with anxiety and frustration and shame and blame and anger, asking ourselves what else is true is a turn towards mystery, even in the darkest parts of our life. Rather than retrenching over and over in those spinning patterns that our minds seem to get themselves into and our, our behavior, mystery invites us to the next step, something deeper, even in the moments of our deepest pain. Mystery is not just for mystics. It is the fuel. Mystery is the fuel of our creativity, of our peace building, of compassion, of justice, of community. Mystery keeps our lives porous. It keeps things moving in and out. It keeps us from getting rigid in how we look at and see the world. It reminds us that we are not at the center of the universe and that God is writing a bigger story. Now and now and now and now. And so as we have our own questions that sometimes are unanswerable. The invitation is to allow God to meet our demand for answers with mystery. To note our desire to nail things down, the boxes we have put ourselves and people and the world in, our assumptions, to allow all of those to be met with mystery. Mystery is what gets us through some of the most difficult passages of our lives. This past week, um, Congress declared June 19th a national holiday, Juneteenth, which we celebrated um, on yesterday and on Friday as a national day off. It's the day that the news of the emancipation reached Galveston, Texas in 1865, two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation had been signed. Juneteenth is a poignant reminder that the answers that we are seeking are often hidden from our view. It reminds us of a people that survived on the mystery of hope before they were given the certainty of freedom. In Ralph Ellison's novel entitled Juneteenth, the story is recounted in a sermon. The story of the African-American experience is recounted in a sermon by two preachers. There's an experienced preacher named Daddy Hickman and a boy preacher named Reverend Bliss. It's a beautiful passage in the book. I recommend you read the, the full sermon in chapter seven there. But in their sermon, they recount the tragedy and trauma of the African-American experience in horrifically poetic detail over and over and over. And then they say, we heard and rose up because in all their blasting, they could not blast any one solitary vibration of God's true word. We heard that word down among the roots and among the rocks. We heard it in the sand and the clay. We heard it in the falling rain and the rising sun, on the high ground and in the gullies. We heard it lying moldering and corrupted in the earth. We heard it sounding like a bugle call to wake up the dead. 
Do you hear that response out of Job coming through those words? They had us bound, but we had our kind of time, Reverend Bliss. They were on a merry-go-round that they couldn't control, but we learned to beat time from the seasons. We learned to make this land and this light and darkness and this weather and their labor fit us like a new suit of new underwear. This land is ours because we come out of it. We bled in it, our tears watered it, we fertilized it with our dead. So the more of us they destroy, the more it becomes filled with the spirit of our redemption. They laugh, but we know who we are and where we are. But they keep on coming and they're millions and they don't know and can't get together, but tell us, how do we know who we are, Daddy Hickman? We know where we are by the way we walk. We know where we are by the way we talk. We know where we are by the way we sing. We know where we are by the way we dance. We know where we are by the way we praise the Lord on high. We know where we are because we hear a different tune in our minds and in our hearts. We know who we are because when we make the beat of our rhythm to shape our day, the whole land says, Amen. It smiles, Reverend Bliss, and it moves to our time. Don't be ashamed, my brothers. Don't be cowed. Don't throw away what you have. Continue. Remember. Believe. Trust the inner beat that tells us who we are. Trust God and trust life and trust this land that is you. And he concludes the sermon by saying, there's been a heap of Juneteenth before this one, and I tell you there'll be a heap more before we're truly free. Yes. But keep to the rhythm. Just keep to the rhythm and keep to the way. God means for us to be a new kind of human. Maybe we won't be that people, we'll, people but we will be part of that people. We'll be an element in them. Amen. This is a the beat of mystery. <laughs> the invitation that God is making to Job is the same thing that beats in the heart of this sermon. And when we allow that, that heartbeat of mystery to beat in us, we are in a long line, holding hands with those who choose hope beyond the answers, trusting in the God who holds us and holds the big story even when we can't hold on. We keep asking what else is true beyond all that we think we know. So in those places where you are craving answers, and I certainly have my own, keep asking, keep turning to mystery, keep allowing that to beat in your soul. In a moment, Malcolm uh, is going to sing a song called I Remember, I Believe out of the rich music of Sweet Honey in the Rock. It's a faith statement grounded in mystery. And I'd love to read the lyrics for you as, as they come and get ready to sing. I don't know how my mother walked her trouble down. 
I don't know how my father stood his ground. I don't know how my people survived slavery. I do remember. That's why I believe. I don't know how the rivers overflow their banks. I don't know how the snow falls and covers the ground. I don't know how the hurricane sweeps through the land every now and then. Standing in a rainstorm, I believe. I don't know how the angels woke me up this morning. I don't know how the blood still runs through my veins. I don't know how I raid to run another day. Standing in a rainstorm, I believe. My God calls to me in the morning dew. The power of the universe knows my name. Gave me a song to sing and sent me on my way. I raise my voice for justice. I believe. Sent me on my 
I raise my voice for justice. I 